Hello everyone, uh, welcome to the Layman's Channel, my name's Martin and uh, I'll be once again taking you through a, another series of Bible studies um, from a layman's perspective. Um, if you're here for the first time then, then uh, welcome to you and um, I hope you find something that will uh, not just tickle your ears but uh, inspire your, your spirit and uh, start the Word of God burning in your heart once again. So uh, without further ado, let's uh, have a word of prayer. Father, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you, Lord God, for the enlightenment that it gives to our hearts and our spirits. Thank you, Lord, that your word isn't about head knowledge, but Lord, it is about communicating with our hearts and spirits, Lord. And Lord, as we come and surrender ourselves today, I pray, Lord God, that your word would once again be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And that, Lord, that as we begin these new series of studies, I pray, Lord God, that the entrance of your word would bring light to every single person, every individual, Lord God, who would click on the link and uh, watch this series. So, Lord, I want to thank you once again that uh, you are promised to anoint my lips to enhance the kingdom of God. And Lord, once again, I come before you and surrender to you, knowing, Lord God, that the very first thing you spoke to me way back when I was a believe, first became a believer was, I'm going to use you as my conduit. So do that, Lord God, not for my glory, but for the glory of Jesus. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Okay, well... Um, Having come to the end of our previous study into 1 John 4, uh, where we took a close look at verse 4, which is greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Um, I was wondering where we should go next in order to build upon the foundation that we laid in those studies. I was, uh, I'm being honest here, I was seriously considering updating an old series of studies that I've done before in various fellowships that we've attended over the years. Um, I'm not ashamed to do that because I once heard a preacher say that it was okay to revisit old studies and sermons because he said there was always some meat to be sucked off an old bone. But I have been seeking the Lord for the direction that uh, he wanted these new studies to go. And as is usual for me, I received his direction when I was out uh, walking one morning a couple of weeks ago uh, during the, the morning walks that I do most mornings. For some reason, I've always found out that, that I can hear God's voice more clearly when I'm out for a walk. And as I've looked back over the years, there have been many times that I've been directed by the Lord whilst I've been walking. Maybe it's because there aren't many distractions to take your attention away from musing over the important things of life and meditating upon scripture. Uh, that's my theory anyway. Anyway, if you've looked uh, closely at the title page of this video, then you'll already know that for however long it takes, um, we'll be taking a look at the times where Jesus said in the Gospels, I am. I think that it's going to be the perfect complement to our previous studies into 1 John 4 because once again the majority of our time will be focused on the greater one. 
Jesus the Messiah, the Saviour of the world, the Saviour of our souls. As you read and study the New Testament, there are many times that Jesus mentions the word I am. In fact, he says it more times than I realised. Of course, there are the obvious ones that we find in the book of John, but he does say those words on other occasions too. And we're going to be taking a close look at those as well as we proceed with these studies. For the first study today, um, I'd like to focus our attention on the verses in John chapter 10, verses 11 and 14, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The first thing I'd like to note is that the uh, nation of Israel sprung from a family of shepherds. Abraham was one of the wealthiest men in the ancient world because the Bible says that he owned large flocks of sheep and cattle. Isaac inherited those flocks from his father. And it's said of Isaac in Genesis 26 and verse 14 that he had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. Isaac's son Jacob used deception to build up his own flock of sheep, effectively stealing Laban's flocks because he deceived Jacob into marrying Leah and not Rachel. And when Jacob's family sought refuge in Egypt during a great famine, they were allowed to go and live in the region of Goshen, a region that was fertile and could support both man and flocks. As Joseph explained to his father and brothers in Genesis chapter 46, verses 31 to 34, where he said this, Then Joseph said to his brothers and his father's household, I will go up and speak to Pharaoh and will say to him, My brothers and my father's household who were living in the land of Canaan have come to me. The men are shepherds. They tend livestock and they have brought along their flocks and herds and everything they own. And when Pharaoh calls you in and asks, What's your occupation? You should answer, Your servants have tended livestock from her boyhood on just as our fathers did. And then you will be allowed to settle in the region of Goshen. For all shepherds are detestable to the Egyptians. Now that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? That all shepherds are detestable to the Egyptians. Um, as an interesting aside that I'm about to throw into the mix, we know that Egypt in scripture is associated with the world. And there's a lot of symbolic and prophetic things that happen in and around the nation of Egypt. Not least the fact that Israel's deliverance from Egypt symbolizes the believer's escape from the bondage of the world. Also, I was wondering if the fact that the Egyptians despised the shepherds of Israel is symbolic of the way the world treats and despises our good shepherd, Jesus. That's just a teasing thought, which I'll leave hanging with you. Maybe good just to think about that. 
for a while. The second thing we need to look at is that our Good Shepherd was descended not just from a nation of shepherds, but from a family of them. Remember a few weeks ago in our previous study, when I said that John's plan of salvation was to take a man, the shepherd Abraham, and promise him a family. Turn that family into a great nation, out of which he chose a tribe, the tribe of Judah. And from that tribe, he once again chose a family, the shepherd David's. That family produced a man, the second Adam, Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. It's fascinating to see how the circle of salvation that first started when God chose Abraham is completed in Christ Jesus, the only begotten, the Good Shepherd. As the A-team used to say, I love it when a plan comes together. There's an old Hillsong Church worship song from the 2005 album, God He Reigns, with a great chorus which says, Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, you'll never let me go. My shepherd king, you're watching over me. Emmanuel. I love that song. Moving on. Let's take a look at the primary responsibilities of a shepherd. The first thing to note is that a shepherd's job is to look after the well-being and safety of his sheep. His sheep are his wealth and the inheritance for the next generation. So if anything bad happens to the sheep, like a predator fancying lamb for dinner, the shepherd is there to make sure that the predator either goes home hungry or doesn't go home at all. Before David dealt with a rather large predator called Goliath, called Goliath which was attacking Israel, he had a conversation with King Saul and we read that in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verses 32 to 37 when David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a kid. And he has been a warrior since his youth. But then David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of those because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the hands and the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Just as David was prepared to put his life on the line to protect his sheep, so his descendant, the Lord Jesus Christ, does the same thing. But not just the same, but more. 
in John chapter 10 and verses 11 to 18, we read this. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay my life down for the sheep, I have, no, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I also have authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. As a believer in Christ, you can take comfort from those words of Jesus. For he knows his sheep. He knows that you are his possession. And just like David did, will protect you from predators that see you as an easy meal or an easy target to exploit. When we put our lives into the hands of the Good Shepherd, there is no securer place on earth or in heaven than to be in his flock. Although as sheep we are still vulnerable to repeated attacks of predators who are determined to scatter us and kill us off, if we hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, then we will know that the Good Shepherd is near and will do anything to protect his inheritance. He says in John chapter 10 and verses 27 to 29, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand that's that double security I've, I've spoken about before where your hand is in the hand of jesus and his hand is in the hand of god his father now unfortunately sheep aren't very bright and will often get distracted and wander off from the security of the flock that's under the Good Shepherd's care. But even then, the Good Shepherd notices that you are missing and he will leave the larger flock to go after the lost sheep. For he knows the danger of that sheep being all alone by itself, vulnerable to predators. In Luke 15 and verses 4 to 6, we read that Jesus said, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't the shepherd leave the ninety-nine in the open country 
and go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it upon his shoulders and goes home. I take comfort from those words because I know that from personal experience. If you've been reading my Substack newsletter, you will know of the struggles that I've been through in not just my health, but in my relationship with the Lord, especially when I was suffering from severe illness and didn't really know it. Let's know that I was suffering from the illness. Through those times, my faith in God was always there, but my relationship with him wasn't as it should have been. And yet the good shepherd came after me, found me and took me home again. I'll leave a link to my newsletter in the description below if you'd like to read more about my experiences with illness and as a lost sheep. But before I finish today, I'd like to ask you a question. Have you inadvertently wandered away from the security of the flock? And are you struggling to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd? If that's you today, then take heart and be of good courage, for the Good Shepherd is on his way to find you and to bring you home. One day soon you will hear the Good Shepherd's voice calling you and you will be brought to safety. The last part of that parable in Luke 15 says, then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I think I'll leave it there for now. There are many more characteristics of the Good Shepherd that I haven't had the time to get into today. So come back next week to find out more. In preparation, it would be fantastic if you could read that wonderful Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, which we'll use in our further study of Jesus being the good shepherd. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his shalom. Hallelujah. God's blessing be yours always, forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>